From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB and this is WIA News 4. Correct me if I'm wrong, but week commencing January 10. WIA supported centenary activities. The Wireless Institute of Australia has urged its affiliated clubs to develop and implement activities to promote amateur radio in their community, either in association with their rostered use of the VK100WIA callsign or activities not involving the commemorative callsign. There are, of course, a whole range of other activities that may be undertaken that may promote amateur radio to particular groups or simply amount to an activity that enhances amateur radio for radio amateurs. The WIA welcomes the association of such activities within the Centenary Year program. This gives those running such activities the ability to use the WIA Centenary logo in publicity material. The WIA will support appropriate activities on the basis that it occurs between January 1 and December 31 this year, 2010. Is one that, in the view of the Centenary Committee, either promotes amateur radio, is of general interest to radio amateurs, or is otherwise worthy of support. Full details of this arrangement can be found in the WIA Centenary section of the WIA website. Two events already have been approved so far to be WIA-supported centenary activities. The VK9NA VK Microwave Group VHF UHF Microwave D-Expedition to Norfolk Island, which is running currently through until January 14, and the Centre Victoria Radio Fest at Kyneton on February 14. Any club, group or individual seeking the WIA's support for any activity to be associated with the centenary celebrations should contact the Centenary Committee Chairman, David Wardlaw, VK3ADW, either by email to centenary at wia.org.au or if you would like to discuss a proposal, the telephone number is 03-9857-8346. And Bay Radio Club is ready to ham it up. That was the headline written by Jennifer Chapman in Monday, January 4's Fraser Coast Chronicle. Sue Stevenson, a long-time member of the Harvey Bay Radio Club, whose photo at the mic in the Chronicle said she enjoys the company of her fellow hams. The Harvey Bay Amateur Radio Club has been given the chance to have a special call sign for the celebration of the Wireless Institute of Australia's 100th anniversary, so said the Fraser Coast Chronicle. Three days have been allocated to select radio clubs across the country during a three- to four-month period starting in March. Because the call sign VK100WIA marks a special occasion, it means more to radio enthusiasts from around the world and it means that they will be tuning in to Australia. Harvey Bay Amateur Radio Club Publicity Officer Reg Weller said the anniversary provides a great opportunity to promote the Fraser Coast, the happening area, to a larger-than-usual overseas audience. In an attempt to attract more people and to celebrate the world's oldest ham radio society, the society that keeps the ham wheels turning, the Bay Radio Club will hold a sausage sizzle at its Pialba headquarters. All members, ex-members and anybody else interested in amateur radio will all be welcome and they can call in on 4124-6253. VK100WIA, it's a special call sign, there will never be another one, Mr Weller said. And the special call sign roster is nearly full. To date, 45 clubs throughout Australia have accepted the WIA's invitation to take up a three-day roster slot of the commemorative callsign VK100WIA. The callsign will be on air from May through to October.
and currently only six time slots for the use of VK100WIA remain vacant. There are two in August and one each in July and September. Clubs who have not yet been notified that they're on the roster and that they want to be are encouraged to register online via the WIA website. Now, this rostering must be completed by March. WIA.org.au Digital Dividend, the Green Paper The Rudd Government has released a Government Green Paper seeking public comment on the benefits and costs of maximising Australia's digital dividend. The digital dividend is the term used to describe the radio frequency spectrum made available as a result of the switchover to digital-only television. The transition to digital-only television will free up spectrum that is currently used to deliver analogue television services. The government is committed to achieving a maximised digital dividend while maintaining Australians' existing access to -to free-to-air digital television services. Evans Head Repeater VK2 REH The 2 REH gear is on test at the QTH of Darren, VK2 AUX, about 10 kilometres southwest of Woodburn. It's not on high ground, its frequency is 147.250 and no tone to access. Over the road and upper piece in Summerland's headquarters, make a note of these dates. January the 17th is the SARC's committee meeting at the club rooms and February 14, Valentine's Day, here's a date, the AGM of the the SARC, the Summerland Amateur Radio Club's club rooms, 1400 hours local. This is the WIA National News Service and WIA News Emergency Communications Training. We're about to hear from Fred Swainston and Ewan McLeod, VK4ERM, WIA's Vice President. Last year, the WIA Board considered training of amateurs for activities associated with emergency communications preparedness. In the July and September 2009 issues of Amateur Radio magazine, the WIA comment focused on issues surrounding amateur operator emergency communications, training and general preparedness. From the feedback received, the Board considered that a national accredited training system was an essential element in the broad range of issues associated with emergency communications provided by amateur operators. In association with the WIA's recognised training organisation, TrainSafe, a nationally recognised training package has now been developed. The WIA Board has prepared a statement on where it is at in the development of the training package and a summary of feedback and issues. The statement and attachments can be found on the WIA website. Just 30 days from the announcement of the WIA's emergency communications training package, 63 people had registered interest by completing the online application form. Now, over 100 have registered their interest and commented on their experience. The WIA, in association with its recognised training organisation, TrainSafe Australia, announced on the 2nd of December 2009 that a nationally recognised training package had been developed. The announcement with details of the training program may be read on the WIA website. If you are interested in registering for the WIA's Emergency Communications Operator Training, Further information and the online registration form can be found on the WIA website in the Emergency Communications section located under the Members Area drop-down menu. This is Ewan, VK4ERM. Uh, this is Fred Swainston uh, with an update on Emergency Communications Operator Training uh, that is planned for 2010. It's great to see that over 100 amateur operators have signed up for this training or expressed an interest in the training and we look forward to others responding 
as time progresses. The advantage of a nationally accredited uh, training program at Certificate 2 level is that uh, our emergency communications operators uh, will be able to uh, carry out tasks uh, expected of them in a range of emergency uh, situations. It creates a, a great base from which we can work uh, and, and further develop our operators into the future. Our plan is, is that uh, we will uh, train trainers in every state so, uh, and territory and that everyone uh, would have uh, an opportunity to participate. Uh, we have a recognition of prior learning process in place and this will apply and for most amateur operators this uh, substantially reduces the, uh, the course although the competency still must be demonstrated to receive the nationally accredited certification. Uh, the structure of the program is based around a certificate two and a second higher level is planned for introduction later in 2010. A pilot program was run in December last year and the program tested. Uh, this was tested with a group of 14 radio amateurs and one non-licensed person. The persons in the program enjoyed the training and fine-tuning of the program is now taking place to deliver this, the training to two trainers in March 2010. These trainers will then go on to provide training in each state and territory. For those of you who uh, wish to participate in this activity, uh, it's a great opportunity to do so, and I suggest that you have a look at the WIA website and register your expressions of interest, and this will be followed up with contact from someone in your state and territory who will be providing the training. From the WIA News Hub in Perth and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Education, Youth and Advancement of Amateur Radio. I'm James, VK6 NAH. Firstly, over to VK6. Ham College will be looking for candidates for their next foundation course due to commence on the weekend of the 23rd and 24th of January. The course runs for two days with basic amenities provided. Ham College are also looking for candidates for their next standard licence course due to commence on the 9th of February, which runs one night a week for six months. If you're interested in getting a standard licence, act now or you will be facing another year's wait. I learnt the hard way with my advanced licence. For details, go to hamcollege.com.au and register your interest now. The Cradle Coast Amateur Radio Club remind all in the area of Tasmania that if you're a non-amateur or shortwave listener and would like to become a licensed amateur radio operator, then come along to a meeting to find out more about this interesting hobby. If you cannot make the meeting but would like to find out more about the hobby, then contact the learning facilitator Keith Winkler, VK7KW, or any of the committee members. Full contact details are available on their website which, like all good clubs, can be easily found by looking up clubs when you log on to wia.org.au. Oh, and the next meeting will be January the 30th. Stephanie is youngest radio amateur in the UK. Stephanie Gregory is all ears, and she couldn't be happier if she's making waves. The bubbly seven-year-old is the youngest licensed radio amateur in the United Kingdom, and it's all down to the help and support she's been given as a member of the Eldersley Amateur Radio Society. Stephanie passed her amateur radio exams, which means she no longer has to operate from their radio club under supervision. She told the Paisley Daily Express that 
It looked like good fun, so I asked if I could give it a go. I thought it was brilliant. I've now been doing it since August, and I thought it would be good if I could become a member of the same club as Daddy. Canadian Ham Andrew Copeland has a bright future in electronics, and has the paperwork to prove it. The 11-year-old resident of Port Dover in Canada recently took a gruelling 25-page test on the finger points of ham radio operation. It took him nearly two hours to answer 100 multiple-choice questions, but he passed with flying colours with a score of 85%. By virtue of that performance, Andrew became one of the youngest people in Canada to earn an amateur radio licence. I wanted to accomplish something, Andrew said and when I learned that I could be the youngest license holder in Canada, I said, OK. I looked at the other guys at that meeting and said, I wanted to be one of them. For the WIA National News, I'm James, VK6NAH, in Perth, Western Australia. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK7, it can be heard on the VK7 repeater network across Tasmania and on HF frequencies from 9am each Sunday, followed by the VK7 regional news broadcast from 9.30am. I'm Graham, and my call sign VK7ZGK. International news with thanks to Southgate Amateur Radio Club, Norsk Radio Relay League, Amateur Radio Newsline and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason VK2LAW, TV in Norway, 50 years old. In 2010, it's 50 years since TV broadcasts began in Norway. Celebrate worldwide by listening and working two group stations, LA1NRK and LA5NRK. Both calls are used throughout the anniversary year 2010, primarily on 20 metres. Also from Norway, and the Norsk Radio Relay League comes praise indeed to one of our own, a former WIA director and tireless wireless worker for Intruder Watch, which under his guidance was a world leader, none other than Glenn Dunstan, VK4DU, IARU Monitoring Service, IARUMS, succeeds again an Australian OTH over the horizon radar, which has disturbed the 30-metre band, has changed frequency due entirely to complaints from radio amateurs. This is the La Trobe University's Tiger Radar Project in Tasmania, VK7. After complaints from VK4DU Glen and DJ9KR Yuli to La Trobe University, the uni decided to change their frequencies. In the future, no amateur bands to be disturbed by the ionosphere-based radar system in VK. Thank you to Glenn and Yuli for their efforts. You may recall back in October we brought you the chilling recording of the 9-11 call made in relation to the deaths of amateurs erecting an antenna in the middle of the night in Florida. Now Peter, VK1PE, has a salutary story for us all and it relates to that tragedy. Unfortunately for amateur radio, a tragedy related to a ham radio operator has been a featured finalist in the annual Darwin Awards. Named in honour of Charles Darwin, the father of evolution, the Darwin Awards commemorate those who, quote, improve our gene pool by removing themselves from it, in other words, by dying. The story goes that on the evening of Monday, the 12th of October 2009, in Palm Bay, Florida, some 40 kilometres south of Cape Canaveral, an amateur radio operator enlisted the assistance of her middle-aged son and daughter-in-law and 15-year-old grandson to put up a 50-foot vertical antenna. They raised the aerial pole in the dark with the aid of a family friend on the roof. There was a mishap, 
and the pole fell, striking a power line at the back of the property. Inside the house, the couple's daughter Melissa and the man's mother, Barbara 10, KJ4KFF, were uninjured. Neither was the 17-year-old friend who'd been on the roof, helping to erect the pole. So, 55-year-old Melvin Braham, 49-year-old Anna, his wife, and 15-year-old son, Anthony, remind us not to let an antenna pole fall onto a 13,000-volt power line. Well, any power line. For Radio News, I'm Peter Ellis, VK1PE. That original story with audio is in the October 25 edition of this WIA news service and can be heard and read at wia.org.au. Joining the news team for the first time this year is G4TUT from the Southgate Amateur Radio Club News Desk with a story on how some UK police officers may sue their force over so-called radio injuries. Police officers are preparing to sue their own force over a series of illnesses they claim were caused by the radio system they use while out on patrol. Friday Telegraph reports. The Telegraph says that Lancashire Constabulary was the first in Britain to try out the airwave network designed specifically to have longer range and more capacity for the emergency services and military. Nine years after its introduction, scores of officers are claiming that the radiation emissions from the system have caused them to suffer such ailments as nausea, headaches, stomach pains and skin rashes. The local branch of the Police Federation has logged 176 individual complaints and now senior officials at the Police Authority are seeking legal advice on how to deal with them. They have already made budget changes to allow for a contingent liability in respect of airwave liability claims. The changing of the guard and amateur radio continues. This with the sad news that Canute M. Hogland, LA3KY, the last surviving member of the crew that crossed the Pacific Ocean in 1947 on board the balsa wood raft, the Contiki, has died at age 92. Knut Hogland was a former Norwegian resistance fighter and explorer who was honored with Norway's highest decoration for military gallantry, the War Cross with Sword, for helping prevent the German nuclear program from acquiring heavy water to make weapons during World War II. Similar honors were also bestowed upon him by Great Britain and France. After the war ended, he joined the Kontiki ocean-going raft expedition of Norwegian anthropologist Thor Heyerdahl as one of its radio operators. The Kontiki eventually sailed 4,900 miles from Peru to Polynesia in 101 days to prove Heyerdahl's theory that ancient mariners may have migrated across ocean stretches. According to Wikipedia, during the Kontiki Pacific Crossing, Hogland and fellow crew member Torsten Robbie were in frequent radio contact with American radio amateurs. Much of the communications consisted of sending meteorological and hydrographic data to be passed on to the Meteorological Institute in Washington, D.C. Despite the tiny radio, which had an output of only 6 watts, they managed to contact radio operators in Norway, even sending a telegram to congratulate King Hakon VII on his 75th birthday. Hogland also played himself in the 1950 documentary film about the Kontiki voyage. The passing of LA3KY was announced by the director of the Kontiki Museum, who said that Hogland died in an Oslo hospital on Friday, December 25th. Those stories from Amateur Radio Newsline and the Southgate Amateur Radio Club. I'm Richard G Ford TUT and you're tuned to VK1 WIA. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. Special Events and On-Air Contest Column, Dateline 2010. Ross Hull Contest. Yes, although with no fanfare and no publicity as such, it is on again this year. This contest honours the late Ross Hull, 
a pioneer of VHF equipment techniques. Ross was born in Melbourne in 1902, but travelled to the United States and became the associate editor of QST in 1931, a position which he occupied until his untimely death in 1938. He is best known for his discovery of tropospheric propagation on the VHF UHF bands. The contest now running right through January was first held over the summer of 1950 and 1951. Special event called Beacon, DX and NetAdvice. New Zealand DX Hall of Fame. A New Zealand DX Hall of Fame was set up a few years ago to honour those outstanding ZLDXs who have excelled in our radio sport hobby over many years. The current panel of judges includes ZL1AIH, ZL3JT and ZL3NB. The judges were unanimous in their selection for 2010. Now Dot VK2DB in an Alara note has asked, I hope you can all send a congratulatory email to Dave Ann Aola. Davola at clear.net.nz This email received will explain it all to you. Hi Dot, hope you and the family had a wonderful Christmas and New Year break. Just to let you know that Ma and Pa have been inducted into the NZDX Hall of Fame, members 4 and 5, at the Papakura Radio Club last Wednesday night, 6 January, 73, Carol ZL1 AJL. The award states, To Dave and Ayola Johnston, It is my very great pleasure to inform you that you both have been inducted into the New Zealand DX Hall of Fame. The election of Dave as the fourth inductee recognises ZL1 AMN's extraordinary and unselfish contribution to the sport of amateur radio DXing in New Zealand. The election of Ayala Johnston, ZL1 ALE, as the fifth inductee to the NZDX Hall of Fame recognises Ayala's extraordinary and unselfish contribution to the sport of amateur radio DXing in New Zealand. Ayala's de-expedition exploits around the Pacific with her husband Dave over many decades has enabled the generation of amateur radio operators worldwide to obtain that elusive new country with a YL operator. 2010 Olympic Winter Games Special Canadian Prefixes These prefixes will be available for use in Canada from February 1st to March 31st to commemorate the 2010 Olympic Winter Games in British Columbia. Canadian stations with a VA can use VG. VY can use XK. VO can use XJ. VE can use VX. Known announced activities are VX9NC. VE9NC will operate during that time using primarily digital modes on all HF bands. VG7W. VE7OM will be operating as VG7W until January the 31st. Broadcast monitoring SWL and scanner news. Radio Free Asia has announced its 31st QSL card. This is scheduled for all confirmed reception reports dated January 1 to March 31, 2010. This QSL card commemorates the 2010 Winter Olympiad in Vancouver, Canada, which will be held February 12 to 28, 2010. Radio Free Asia, RFA, is a private non-profit corporation that broadcasts news and information to listeners in Asia. Radio Netherlands Madagascar relay back on the air. Following on from last week's report here on WA National News Service of fires in the broadcast facilities based in Madagascar, word that RNW now has three transmitters back on the air. The fourth transmitter, a 250 kW ABB rig, suffered some heat damage and must be repaired, which will take up to a week. Head of Distribution John Willem Drexharge says that the Dutch word for the damaged components is and I'll spell this because I can't possibly pronounce it, H-O-O-G-S, 
P-A-N-N-I-N-G-S-S-C-H-A-K-E-L-A-R-B-E-L-E-I-L-I-G-I-N-G-S-E-L-E-C-T-R-O-N-I-C-A, which he suggests would be a good word for Scrabble, at least if you're playing it in Dutch. For VK1WIA National News Service, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. Remembering the Unit Men. Hello, I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, with another in the series of brief looks at those who made discoveries and have their names as units of measurement. Alessandro Volta, born in Como, Italy in 1745, was absorbed in the study of electricity during his school years. At the age of 20, he wrote to many of the leading scientists, and those letters showed a high level of knowledge of the topic. His discovery of electrical current generation by placing two dissimilar metals in brine was the start of battery technology. The best metals for the purpose at the time were zinc and silver. And Volta created a number of cells to find that when they were connected in series, it was possible to receive an electric shock. His work made him famous and wealthy, and his name was adopted in 1881 as the unit of electromotive force. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In New South Wales, it can be heard on various frequencies from 160 metres to 23 centimetres. From VK2WI, Dural, at 10am every Sunday. I'm Eric, VK2VE. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. Some Bandelasat SO69 power has been reduced. In order to conserve power for other operations on Sambandilasat, the ground control team have reduced the power of the transponder carrying amateur radio to 2.5 watts. First reports from stations here in Australia indicate that the reduction is hardly noticeable and that signals remain stronger than most other amateur radio satellites. Availability of the ZS0SUM payload will be during daylight hours when the satellite is in full sunlight. The actual schedule is published on ansatsa.org.za. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Radio Scouting, January the 4th to the 14th in VK2. Yes, it's the Australian Scout Jamboree at Cataract Park, south of Sydney. VI2 AJ2010. Last Monday night, the 22nd Australian Jamboree's opening ceremony was streamed live to the internet. More than 13,000 scouts, leaders and volunteers from all around Australia and 26 other countries were joined by Her Excellency New South Wales Governor Marie Bashir when she officially opened the Jamboree. And for the first time in Scouting Jamboree history, the opening ceremony was streamed live to parents, friends and the scouting world via the internet. Worldwide Special Interest Group Rescue Radio MRCS launches Malaysia's first disaster radio service. The Malaysia Red Crescent Society, or MRCS, Johor branch has launched the first disaster radio service in that country, which will focus on swift communications to help disaster victims.
State MRCS Chairman MD Jays Sade, who launched the service called Disaster Communications Amateur Radio, said it was the way to prepare for a quick action during national disasters. Jace, who is also the State Youth and Sports Committee Chairman, explained that during the floods there was a major breakdown in communications between relief teams as most of them relied on their handphones. This new radio service, however, uses a satellite system which will eradicate that problem, he told press conference at the State MRCS headquarters in Tampoy. Communication is very important for relief teams during national disasters and we have experienced this firsthand during the major floods in the state in 2006. Jace also said that the 10 MRCS members were already qualified to use the radio service while 56 Northern Region Malay Amateur Radio Association members have signed up to become MRCS members. Members will be placed in each district and will relay information to the headquarters who will inform relevant agencies for further action, he said. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Broadcast 2 of 2010 ends. I'm Graham VK4BB. Thanks for your company. A couple of things happening through January. Through until the 14th is the Australian Scout Jamboree at Cataract Park. That's just south of Sydney. VI2 AJ2010 is the station to listen for. January 24 also in VK2, the Mid-North Coast Amateur Radio Group's Radio Expo 2010. 8.30am at St John's Church Hall, McLean Street, Coffs Harbour. And January 30, VK4, the Bunya Mountains and District. Amcom, they host the Ham and Wine Fest 2010 at McLaglen. Till we meet again, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.